Okay. Hey. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Take three, bro. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> yep. Take so, three. So yeah, I want to come back uh, where we talked before. So I was asking you on the early live because a lot of people they say that it's better to work on your communication skills, mm -hmm. but not a lot of people say is go work on your writing skills. What do you have to say about that? Well, yeah, so basically I think, I think people, at least most people don't really understand that there's a, there's a separation between the, the writing skills and the, the overall communication skills. And you know, the two go together certainly, but what I think makes writing super helpful is that once you actually understand the grammar and the punctuation, yeah. you can use these to be more eloquent. And so, you know, it's all well and fine to, um, to know all the, all the words, all the, all the things to say, but you can be 10 times more powerful once you actually understand the grammar and the punctuation. Okay. Okay. Guess, I guess because a lot of speakers, a lot of great speakers, they, they, they write the, the speech before they say it, you know? Mm -hmm. and even yeah. com comedians also, they write the, the, the sketch and then they go and talk, yeah. Yeah, and so basically what I mean by that is, you know, most people who write, you know, they can write well. What I think makes a superior writer is someone who writes deliberately, so who uses all the techniques deliberately to drive the point across. So that's what I think makes a, a superior writer. And so that's why I always advocate for improving your writing skills. So how did you improve your writing skills? How did I? Yeah, well, in general, how do you, how do you, people can improve their skills? Well, by really getting a, a, by diving deep into the language and the grammar and doing all the unsexy things. Okay. You know, like people say like, oh, grammar is boring, you know, punctuation, like who cares? Well, that's really how you get. And once you know about all these patterns, you can notice them in texts that you read and speeches. Once you know punctuation, you hear someone and you know how they're punctuating, even though they're not writing, there's no text, but you can hear the punctuation and someone who knows punctuation will use that even in their speech. And that's going to make them even more compelling. Okay. Okay. But a lot, because one of the things with technology, a lot of people, you know, when they write the text, they, the phone does it for themselves, so they don't, they don't even write anymore. So do you think, is that a good thing or is that a bad yeah, thing? Yeah, I mean, I use Grammarly all the time. Yeah. I use Antidote all the time. And, you know, the, the software help me with things. For example, like Grammarly has a really good um, passive voice detector. And so that helps me noticing how much I use passive voice, which makes your writing strong, uh, weaker just as it would with your with your speech okay. and then antidote i use that more just to find like little errors and i also use that to make um to find out to see the patterns and the words that i that i that i use not to be too repetitive because that's one of the things that make your writing weaker as well so i use these tools and i would recommend everyone to use these tools but that doesn't replace um 
knowledge of the language and knowledge of how to use it to be more compelling. Yeah, but I guess you don't need to go like to university and have a degree and whatever language like English and French. You can literally no. at home. Okay. No, you can literally just. I mean, it depends how deliberate you are. But like, I would say if you <clears throat> if you read a good grammar book or you read a book on language, and um, you really put yourself to it, you can you can figure that out. And you know. The thing is, I studied English literature and I studied professional writing and I learned a lot from my courses, but ultimately um, I, I de developed my, my systems and methods and frameworks on my own by teaching other people. So it's yeah. not through these courses that I, that I really learned. So, I mean, because the thing is, they'll, they'll teach you things, but they, they won't tell you how to think about these things to make your writing stronger and necessarily. And that's what I think is, is lacking in university courses, but it's really about your mindset. Okay. It's about, you know, I always say like thinking like an author and it's really like when you read a book, like zoom in or and zoom out and like see what's going on, what the, what the author is trying to do. That's the most powerful thing you can do. Okay. But I, I guess, like in terms of like blogging online, do you think like is do you think that's a, like a, a saturated market? There's too many blogs out there, or do you think you can still have your own blog online? <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how to approach your question, but like, is it a, like yes, it is a saturated market. Now, if your question is like, is it worth? doing i would say yeah i would say it's very unlikely that you'll start your own blog and find some measure of success what i would do if i told someone who wants to start a blog i would say you know start blogging for other websites and you know like write your articles and submit them for publication and and you know online magazines and online blogs and so you have their audience to test out your ideas as opposed to, you know, starting from scratch with zero readers. The thing is, because you're not going to, you're not going to write good stuff from day one. Like you're not going to have an overnight success. And yeah. so if you try these ideas out when you have zero audience, then you're never going to receive any feedback. Exactly. And just the fact of getting accepted or rejected for submission, that is feedback. And so if your ideas won't even make it through like online magazines, then that probably means it's not even worth posting on your own blog because you yeah. have even less of an audience. So it's, I, I think it's really about testing out the ideas, testing out if there's a market for these ideas or they yeah. developed in a way that is actually appealing for a potential, you know, readership. Okay. Have you ever, have you ever tried like, write like a blog on, on your Facebook post, like you write a long text mm -hmm. on your Facebook post. Did you ever try that? Yeah. Does it work? Like, like did you see people reading it in the end? Yeah. Well, so the thing is when you write that kind of Facebook post, you basically want to, um, you can't speak to everybody. So you'll have to pick the people that you want, that you want them to read your post. Right. So for example, yeah. I've been writing this kinds of post for my uh, my writing coaching business. And so I'm talking to 
experts and coaches and you know consultants people with expertise who possibly would be interested in writing a book so okay. the way that i write that post is and i i expect that not everyone will be opening it to read the full thing um but basically i make sure and that's what we we're talking earlier today yeah i'm sure that the three the first three lines exactly yeah deal to that reader and the thing what happens in a post like that and it's like copywriting you lose people along the way and only your target readers will actually make it to the end and i wrote that kind of post a couple of days ago and there's this person who commented wow glorious post i raised my hand <laughs> so yeah awesome. and um yeah, so she and she was exactly the type of person that I wanted to reach to reach to by writing that post. And so sometimes it can be kind of discouraging because you write a post and you get only two comments. Well, maybe that's because only two people were actually preoccupied with what you wanted to talk about. Okay, so it depends on the context of your of what you write. Yeah. Okay. So in terms like in terms of creating a, like a book because we were talking about this and on our live today, um, you say that people can still write a book in ninety days. That is possible, but maybe it's, the content and the intention won't be as good. No, I think I think if you have the right process, you can you can absolutely do that. Now depends on a lot of factors. Depends how much work you put every day. It depends how motivated you are. I think I think that's possible. Um, most people can do it. I mean, unless you're like starting from scratch in terms of research, if you, if you have the expertise and you know where you're going, then you can absolutely write a book in 90 days okay. um, without a doubt. But it, you really need the, the streamlined process. And I think you also need, you also need some sort of one-on-one -on -one, like guidance Which, yeah. because I don't, I don't believe in a second that <clears throat> You can write a good book that is going to reach its goal without any kind of feedback. Okay. Okay. And you need like some solid feedback from someone who's not like you and who doesn't have your expertise. Because otherwise, you you will write things that are confusing for the reader. Exactly. So, do, do you read a lot also? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think that reading a lot will improve your writing also? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I I don't think you can be a great writer without reading a lot. I mean, how much you should read is a uh, is arguable, but okay. I mean, definitely you need because I mean it's also like you can't just expect that like if you read nothing, you're not gonna know what's going on in like in the book market. And I mean, ideally, you should read in one particular field. And um, if you're going to write in that field more specifically, so, I mean, you should, yeah, you should know what's, what's going on and you should also know what makes a good book. And, you know, the thing is like you write stuff that you would want to read. So if you don't know what makes a good book for you, then you can't possibly write a good book for somebody else. Exactly. Usually you're like your primary reader, although you're like, you're talking to somebody else, you write something that you would want to read exactly so what when you read you will discover like okay I, I write i like this kind of history so i can write that for myself mm -hmm. yeah and also like which like i say it's like there 
many many units and layers like from the book to like every single word and like when you read a book you can think like oh this is the kind of theme that i enjoy reading about yeah but you can look at words and sentences and say hey this is really the kind of sentences that i like these are the kinds of words that i that i find powerful and so you can use these and by noticing these that makes that makes you understand what your style of writing is what your voice is yeah so talking about that what makes a book a bestseller <clears throat> what makes a book a bestseller i yeah. it's sales sales okay so it's not about the writing i mean well it what bestseller means is like it it's the books that sell that sell the most now why do people buy books why do people buy a certain type of books more than more than others um that's another question and i mean sometimes i mean there are so many reasons why a book might become a bestseller okay. um, but i mean like <clears throat> in terms of what's going on right now in the industry basically you need 15 verified reviews on amazon to be considered a, a bestseller so that's how you get the label but like if you're in the traditional publishing industry like you need to be you need to be in the top sales for like a certain amount of time and so there are best selling lists like the new york times or the washington post and these other like prominent uh newspapers um but yeah i mean really it's what it's anything that people buy the most now how do you get there i think first of all there's a kind of topic there are some topics that are that make it very easy to sell a lot of books now the other thing is you know how original and unique your take is on the topic so that's also very important okay um, if you especially like books that um that are contrarian in nature that defy common wisdom i'll give you an example yes uh, <clears throat> this book here the oh, yeah. sort of not giving a fuck i yeah it's a number one international bestseller and so i mean just look at the title that's provocative and it the subtitles a counterintuitive approach to living a good life okay so <clears throat> title is provocative subtitle like tells you exactly what's in it for you um the author well mark manson he had a blog for a long time before yes. he published and so he had an audience so that also helps um and it's a you know it's a, it's a good book it's well written i can't say that's the the best he has like the the best writing in the world he doesn't but it's uh there's great value in that book okay and it was well advertised and you know so these are all reasons why books become bestsellers yeah so you mentioned amazon do you think like amazon changed really the book industry completely <clears throat> i mean yes without a doubt and you know what amazon made possible was for people that otherwise wouldn't be able to publish for a low cost um are now able to do that and you know it's a double-edged sword so here's the thing about the <clears throat> the traditional publishing industry it's like they can't possibly publish all the books all the manuscripts they receive right even if yeah. like, let's say i send them a book a, a manuscript 
they might like it, but maybe it's not, it doesn't fit what they want to publish, or maybe they just don't have budget for it this year. So it doesn't mean that the book isn't good. So maybe I'll want to self-publish through Amazon and Amazon makes it very easy. There are other platforms through which you can self-publish, but Amazon is the most, is the easiest. Also, Amazon is one of the most used, um, um, what is it, database? How do you call that? Um, search uh, engines. It's like yes. the fourth, fourth yes. most used for uh, search engine. So, so there is definite value in having your book on Amazon. And, you know, on the other hand, though, you end up with a lot of books that shouldn't be published. And, you know, these books are bad because people didn't do their homework. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't get their writing together. They didn't research enough. And they, they just didn't do the work associated with publishing a book. Um, but that doesn't mean by default that books published through Amazon aren't good. What determines if they're good is if they follow the process. And that's why a lot of books published through Amazon like or self-published in any other capacity sometimes get picked up by, um, by major publishers. Okay. So... So I guess like Amazon just lower the standards. They lower the standards so people can get more easily. It lowered the uh, the barriers of entry. Okay. okay. You know, people people decide of their own standard. Yeah. Amazon doesn't get to say like what what the standard is. So yes, by extension, the standard for publication decreased, but it's not Amazon's fault. Amazon just made it easier. Okay, gotcha. By, remove, by removing barriers. Okay, gotcha. I guess because we are in Quebec, I want to talk about the, the French language. Do you think it's more easily to write in, in the language of Molière or in the language of Shakespeare? Which uh, one? Sorry, can you repeat that? I think because we are in Quebec, do you think that it's, it's more easily to write in, in, in French or in English? Well, I mean, from what perspective do you mean that? Do you mean from like selling or just like to write? To write, like, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you mean like if you're bilingual or I think I, I for most people, it's easier to write in their mother tongue, for so sure. We, if you're say, fully bilingual, yeah. it depends. Like if you have like perfect mastery of both languages, which I don't think many people do, um, it's, I would say, I mean, I, I, the book I published in 2017 was in French and so okay. French is my mother tongue and I I write I think I write equally well in French as in English but I think for most people it's easier to write in English yeah just because English is a um, easier language to master but I mean uh, it really depends. Also, a lot of people are drawn, a lot of people in Quebec are drawn to writing in English because there's a there's a wider market. Exactly, there's also the market, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people say that the the French one is 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 harder to write in French than in English because of the language and you know, the grammar. Yeah, I mean, definitely French is a more sophisticated or like more complicated language to like have a command of. Yes. Mm -hmm. So are you are you gonna write another book? Are you having any plans to to have another book? <clears throat> yeah, so I'm currently writing another novel. This one this one's in English. 
Okay. And um, I'm about 20 to 25,000 words in. So I've been working on it like on and off since maybe like December of last year. Um, so it's slowly in progress. Um, I've been focusing a bit on other projects at the moment. So that's why it hasn't moved on as as quick as it normally would have. Okay. But it's it's moving pretty well. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So you're expecting to be, the book to be out maybe in, in uh, December or something like that in the winter? Sorry, so this, I lost you for a second. Are you expecting to have the book out in December or something like that? Your book? No, I don't have any expectations at this point. Um, so I'm like maybe a quarter, a, like I have maybe a quarter written and I don't know how fast it's going to go. Because it's not my, my, my main priority right okay. now. And so there's probably going to be quite a bit of revising and editing before I, before I submit it for publication and all this stuff. And I'm, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to go through traditional or self-publishing. So um, definitely not before next year. Okay, awesome. So one last question, one last question before the we finish the live. I just want to ask you when people go to you and they ask you, like they want to write a book, what are the main challenges that they get mostly? What are the main challenges that they say, I have this, I have this problem, what are they? Yeah, um, I want to say the first thing that keeps people from getting started is that they say they don't have the time. And you know, a lot of people are very busy with work, with their business and with their family life and so on. And I always say the way that I think of writing is a bit like meditation. And so if you can take some time off your day for meditation, you basically reinvest this time into like being more mindful, being more um, relaxed and being more like happy. And I think it's a little bit the same thing with writing in that the time you spend on writing you get it back through clarity and you get it back through like structuring your thoughts and your ideas. So really the, the first, the first roadblock that people have is that they think they have no time for writing. The second I would say is that they say, Oh, I can write like a 2000 word article, but you know, it's not writing is just isn't my strength. And I mean, I, I understand, I understand that now I think what people really need is, is a process and some like frameworks through which understand writing. Okay. And so that's why, that's what I help people with as a, as a, as a writing coach, I give them the tools and the methods and the frameworks so that they can write more easily. And then the other thing is, um, I think one of the obstacles they have also is like the mindset, um, like really some like a lot of people even if they're experts in their field they kind of they wonder they wonder um whether what they have to say really has value whether that's something people would be interested in reading and what i always say in reply to that is you know no idea is original by default and you have to like the ideas you have you have to make them your own exactly now how do you make them your own? Well, you spray them with the colors of your soul and you give them the shapes that like, make them resemble you. And so there are many ways you can 
you can make your ideas your own, but basically it's, it's really that that's the key. Like you have to make them intellectual property because it's like, I can think of one thing and some dude 50 years ago thought about it too. Exactly. We wouldn't be writing it the same way. And basically what you want to do, and I'll, I'll leave you with that one thought. If you want to be writing a book that people will remember, you have to have, you have to figure out who you really are and yes. you should be able to present your ideas in your, in a manner that people would say, Oh, that's so, uh, that's so Hugo-esque or that's so Leandresque. Yeah. Like they can, like they know look, the people who know you should be able to recognize the shapes and the colors of your thoughts and your ideas and how you present them. So that's like your, it's like, it's your personality or it's your, it's your brand. Yeah, that's what Moliere and Shakespeare did. That's why yeah. we remember them. When yeah. They were, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a lot more to Moliere and Shakespeare and like Shakespeare particularly, he like, he invented a whole bunch of words and you know, the things that these writers made basically were like, they were talking about universal things, universal themes and you know, like we read that today and it still applies just as much as when they, just as when they, they wrote it, which was like centuries and centuries ago. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So is there any, anyone right now that could fit that category of Shakespeare and Molière in this century right now? Good question. I don't know. I mean, I don't know all the writers. Um, Yeah, I don't know that I can answer that question. I mean, there are a lot of great writers, both in French and English that I know, but will they be like Shakespeare and Moliere? I really have no idea. What about Stephen King? Well, I mean, the thing with Stephen King is, so like, if you're thinking of Moliere and Shakespeare, it's yeah. more like classic literature and it's more like whereas Stephen King is more like commercial okay and you know if we look back at the time of Shakespeare you had authors like Stephen King so people writing more commercial stuff and although we we remember them and we still read them it's just they don't have the same status as uh, Shakespeare and Moliere because okay. these are kind of seen as like the gods of of literature Okay, so I guess there is no Stephen Kitt. He fits in his own category. Which yeah, it's just, yeah, there are different categories. And, you know, people read Stephen King and for different reasons than they would with Shakespeare or like any other, like, um, it would be like comparing poetry with, with, um, with prose. Okay, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm. All right, Liam, thank you so All much. Right. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I greatly appreciate uh, If you can leave a review, a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, that would be appreciated. This will help grow the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, and see you on the next show.